Did you guys get snow the other day? No, I heard you guys did though. Yeah. Christmas needs to fuck off. It's, <laughs> it already took over Thanksgiving and like owns November. It's creeping in. I'm seeing Christmas ads. Mm-hmm. Half the Halloween aisles at the store are gone. It's too much, too soon. You should come up here and see all the fucking Halloween decorations, dude. People go yeah. nuts up here, apparently. I'm just walking and being like, where do you store these three full-size skeletons the rest of the year <laughs> you know right and obviously the jokes start to write themselves at that point with the closet full of skeletons <laughs> and shit but yeah. I, i'm serious people have all these like blow up decorations and stuff and i'm like man i have like one closet to put shit in in my apartment i have so much shit stuffed <laughs> under my bed just because oh, yeah. i have like no storage <laughs> somebody went around our neighborhood and like tied red balloons to all the storm drains like from uh, oh wow <laughs> and like yeah that's pretty was, hardcore yeah that was out there like that morning and then somebody like must have went and like cut them all down like they weren't <laughs> even there that afternoon <laughs> oh man halloween grump we have like little tombstones or whatever we put out in the yard and like nice. some lady was walking by one time and she's like i can't believe you do this to your yard with these dark forces <laughs> Oh, you know what this holiday is all about, right? That's this is not good. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. She was serious about that. Yeah. That happened the other day at uh, this Taco Bell paid with like a 20 and the change was 666 and the cashier wouldn't say it. Wow. (laughs) She just like stood there and stared at me. I was like, what's going on? She's like, I I don't want to say it. And I looked down at the little like digital numbers like, oh, (laughs) okay. Wow. Not Beetlejuice. I think you can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no fucking kidding. You can speak it. It's okay. Uh, That would be the number of the beast, ma'am. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will say it for you. So we were talking about seasonal music a couple episodes back. What what are Mm. your fall go-tos? Do you get into the traditional AFI misfits? Yes, I do. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, partially just because like those were some of the first bands that I ever truly loved. So, yeah, it's funny how much my first kind of steps into or some of my early steps into like punk music. And when I was first starting to play music, AFI and Misfits were like huge for me and my friends. Definitely like as cliche as it is, like the All Hollows EP is so good. Oh, yeah. Like such a good, concise representation of that band at a really good point in their career misfits it's more like highlights for me you know like i'll definitely have to make a playlist for them because like i usually end up getting bored halfway through a misfits (laughs) record yeah what about you made a nice little playlist on the spotify channel halloween havoc that's got perfect stuff on it cky rob zombie black Sabbath. oh yeah that's all good stuff too it's funny black sabbath for me is like weirdly a summer band all right i got a either or for you okay no distractions you're just isolated like the clockwork orange scene with your eyes peeled Mm. open you have to do a rob zombie marathon of music or movies music for sure like i I do not (laughs) like his movies i understand that like people that are into horror like these are good but yeah i mean i watched like half of the devil's rejects and this was like before i was really enjoying horror much at all so maybe i'm just scarred from that and (laughs) don't feel like stepping back into it yeah that at least to me was like more sadistic on the part of the filmmaker than usually what i really go in for yeah um so 
<laughs> it's gonna have to be music. I guess it's just gonna be uh, what Dracula on repeat. <laughs> I, well, I got I got the totals. So you begin for eight albums, four and a half hours. Oh, wow. straight through the discography or nine movies, fifteen hours. Mm. Well, I mean, <laughs> if we're doing a, if it's a numbers game, then yeah, I made the right choice. <laughs> In Devil's Rejects, that's like one of the good ones, and oh, he 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 gets yeah, he gets a lot worse. <laughs> so, are you a fan of his movies? Some of them, it sounds I like. like that one okay um, i liked what he did with halloween which one did he do he did he did two of them actually the first one that he did i thought was interesting just because of like he did a lot more on the night of like michael myers as a kid mm. and like going into his background okay i thought it was cool because once it kind of becomes a remake it's just pretty predictable at that point but sure the prequel stuff i thought was really interesting it's at least a different take on it yeah, and I think he has a really good visual style. His writing's pretty redundant, where it's just mm-hmm. like always these like hellbilly deluxe people <laughs> who are just yeah. like white trash sadists. But yeah. yeah, Devil's Rejects and Halloween is about it for me. I watched his Monsters movie just because I love the Monsters growing up and I wanted to see what he was going to do with like not an R-rated property. Uh-huh. And oh, it was so bad. I feel like he just should have oh. had like a costume party at his house because that's all this was. Oh, no. It's just like you could have shot this movie like at a spirit Halloween. Like it just looks so cheap, so bad. Oh, I've not like watched the Monsters sitcom. Like there was only two seasons of it in the 60s. It was like mm. the same period as Adam's family. And like I've seen like parts of it here and there on TV land like recently where it's like, oh, yeah, this is really cheesy. But mm-hmm. it's like he tried to copy that exactly. And it's like, what is the point? Huh? Like, why wouldn't you want to modernize it a little bit? Because all these same like dad joke beats just don't work. Weird. So he didn't like use any of it you wouldn't watch it and say oh rob zombie directed this only just because his wife's in it and he casts her as like the lead and everything i see (laughs) but yeah that's that's really the only and herman munster randomly plays in a punk band so i guess they (laughs) say this is kind of strange why is this happening oh but yeah i feel like he just should have had like a really expensive munsters theme party at his house instead (laughs) of making everybody watch this movie which was not wow oh man (laughs) it it was bad so it took you a while to get into horror movies you didn't have like a a big following of it when you were younger no uh -uh. i was terrified of horror movies when i was younger again again for me it took finding the right flavor of horror and and maybe i've had better luck with like modern horror because yeah like some of the more recent stuff hereditary midsommar uh annihilation the witch that kind of stuff like i've really enjoyed but when i was a kid i remember the thing that sticks out to me was seeing this movie called the wish master (laughs) and it was like I, i wanted to watch it it was this weird thing where like no one was home and I was watching it upstairs and then people got home and I turned it off real quick and <laughs> so I didn't want them to know I was watching the Wishmaster. <laughs> Usually my, I think my parents would have just been like, you're not watching that because you're going to get scared or whatever. Oh, and yeah. then I went downstairs, found the Wishmaster again, stayed up late watching that. I think there was probably some kind of sexy woman in it. That was always the thing, right? It was like 
you I would mean, get Wishmaster, into- somebody's going to wish for that, right? Right. That's <laughs> just yeah. bound to come up. There you go. But a lot of those did, right? They draw yeah. you in with sex. Yeah. And so even as a kid, you're like, I don't know why I want to watch this, but I do. Yeah. And <laughs> getting scared <laughs> by the Wishmaster. I don't think uh, I ever saw that one. Is that? I think that one's got like Robert England in it, if I remember right. 25 on Rotten Tomatoes. Not that is- we're saying that's the Holy Grail, but oh, Robert England, Robert England in was in it. Yeah. There you go. And you got the guy from Phantasm. Oh, oh and the dude from uh, Candyman, right? Nice. Oh, I gotta, re- I gotta go back to this at some time and figure out why, it, why <laughs> it had such an impression on me. For me, it was always like the little like creatures that freaked me out, like like gremlins and oh yeah, gremlins. Huh. I definitely watched way too young and like mm-hmm. traumatized me for sure. Chucky was like that for me. Yeah, little, I was gonna say I thought like bumper commercials on USA just that they were gonna show the Chucky movie and that was enough to freak me out. Like mm-hmm. if I saw those ads while I was watching something else, I was just freaked out the rest of the night. Or even like the bad uh basically just the knockoff of Chucky with goosebumps with like mm-hmm. the slappy, the dummy. Yeah. Oh slappy. Yeah. <laughs> Night of the Living Dummy. Ooh, the, that was tough. A lot of nightmares of him. The tone of Chucky bothered me just because it was so like kind of like, ah, oh, this is a fun romp, you know? Yeah. And I was like, but it's not. People are getting hurt by Chucky. <laughs> right. I remember my babysitter was just like, why don't you just throw him? Like he's a fucking cabbage patch <laughs> doll. Like just pick right. him up and throw him in a lake. <laughs> That would have been a good idea. That's not how Chucky works. You don't get it. He'll bite you. He's mean. Yeah. He's a vicious guy. Did you end up seeing Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Yeah, dude. I really enjoyed that movie. I don't know if it's just because I was so psyched up for it because I've been listening to the soundtrack because I like Disaster Piece, the composer. For some reason, I like this genre of vapid rich kids uh, <laughs> kind of getting their comeuppance. Yeah. Have we talked about the show uh, Search Party? No, we have not. Okay. That's another one. I don't know if you've watched that, but that's another one that's kind of, yeah, same genre that I described where it's like millennial slash Gen Z-ish kids that are just not great. Um, (laughs) But it's that one's more of a comedy. It definitely stretches into horror at times, not as much so as bodies, bodies, bodies. But I mean, honestly, found some of the most horrific stuff, like the friendships between the kids in the film, which are just like just stuff I would not ever imagine, like saying to my friends. I thought it was good. What did you think of it? I thought it was good. Yeah, I was a little reluctant going in just because I thought this is going to try too hard to sell me on like this big. I feel like there's just been an overabundance of like message horror movies. Like I'm going to teach you guys what's wrong with the kids. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it didn't do that. I was glad Mm -hmm. it wasn't like patronizing or anything. Like you said, the relationships and the characters were all really well done. So Mm -hmm. I appreciated that. It was a lot more of like, like you said, kind of relationship based and comedic than just like a whodunit murder mystery type thing. Yeah. Even though there is that going on, it doesn't hinge solely on that. Right. I may not be right in framing it as like focused on a certain generation. I think maybe you could say it's fair to say that just because how much like group chats and TikTok and shit like that comes up throughout their conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some pretty key points where they're, I think they're trying to show you like a certain obsession or reliance on technology, but it is definitely played for laughs more so than like you young kids need to wake the fuck up or whatever. 
Right. Like luck- luckily, it's not doing that. And yeah, I think the most important stuff that it's saying is really applicable to any person in any relationship, which is just like, are you being honest with people or not? Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't get bogged down by that. It definitely is just like some good times. And it doesn't get hung up on the the mystery too much either. Like it's it's so like subtle in a way. And when you look back on it, all the scenes where shit's going down and you're kind of trying to figure out like, okay, who could have done this or what was this person doing right before this scene started or right before they were on camera. It's just really well done as far as like, you can just see it going either way a lot of the time and it doesn't tip its hand uh, at any point. So no, I thought it was really good. doesn't have like a blueprint that you can see underneath it all. Like it feels very natural just going along through all the different events, which I appreciated. Yeah, I didn't feel like I could really predict what was going to happen next. Other than maybe at a certain point, it did seem like, okay, bodies are stacking up. Right. And it's <laughs> we're definitely going in, in that direction of we're whittling down people. But no, other than that, yeah, it was nice and surprising. Are there any go-to like Halloween TV episodes you remember growing up with? Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. Treehouse of Horror. The, Treehouse of Horror the, one, <laughs> the one with Pigeon Rat, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life when I was a kid. (laughs) Pigeon Rat's great. Is that the same one where uh, Homer sells his soul for a donut? (laughs) That one's pretty great. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'd have to dig through 30 seasons. (laughs) Yeah. Also, pretty sure I can't remember. Just like on the tip of my brain, I feel like there were some pretty good Batman the Animated Series like Halloween themed episodes. Oh yeah. Um, like even just the ones that like there were some great Scarecrow and Mad Hatter episodes of that show that whether or not they were specific to Halloween, they just had that kind of vibe just because of those characters. Yeah. I, I, I still need to go back and rewatch that. I remember one really vividly. I don't remember if it was like Halloween specific, but it freaked me the hell out with uh, was it the man bat and they were like trapped on an airplane with him. Oh, wow. That was pretty nutty. I remember being pretty freaked out by that for a like cartoon. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, there was, uh, there was a Mad Hatter episode of that that really freaked me out. Yeah. Goosebumps always did it for me. Not to bring it back to that, but mm-hmm. I think I remember like the first episode of that show aired like Halloween night. So came back and watched The Haunted Mask after trick-or-treating. That always sticks out in my mind. Mm-hmm. Parks and Rec, the Pachitis episode. That one's always classic. Oh, right. Yeah, the TP guy. Uh, was it Peach Pit that he always leaves everywhere? Yeah, <laughs> that is a good episode. You didn't get into uh, the Jeffrey Dahmer show at all, did you? No. Have you been watching that? No, I I just feel weird about some of the true story stuff. Like, I know this one's at least like fictionalized, so I'm not watching like documentary footage. But just, yeah, knowing that like... There's survivors of this dude like out there with this going on again. And I'm just like, it just makes me feel gross. That is really gross. Yeah. No, I mean, even just from the packaging and presentation of it in ads, I just feel like it's glorifying that shit in a weird way. Like that's it's so strange to me. I'm not very into the true crime stuff. Like I watched the uh, the one that everyone was insane about on Netflix, like very long after it aired. And had like a brief like, okay, yeah, I can see the appeal of this stuff. But yeah, when I think about it, I think it's pretty gross that we <laughs> are all just getting off on that stuff and that there are people just living with it and it's their 
actual problem. I think it's like it's such an extreme example of like lack of empathy and not understanding how things that don't affect you affect other people often in like hugely significant ways. And we're often just trivializing things. That was kind of another thing with another great Netflix property, the blonde movie that came out uh, about Marilyn Monroe. Had you heard any of that? I've heard some stuff about that too. I I don't think I'm going to check that one out. Yeah, it was. I mean, like when I watched it at first, I was like, oh man, like the director, Andrew Dominic did a really good job. Like it's just a giant fucking tragedy of a movie and you Mm -hmm. feel terrible for her. But like, it's also strange that like the whole movie is signifying how much like this woman was exploited throughout her life. And that's like kind of exactly what this movie's doing. Yeah. Again, especially in the way that it's portrayed, like she's basically just being used by everyone. And it doesn't make her seem like she has her own voice. It doesn't highlight any of her accomplishments, really, like her production studio or anything like that. Like it honestly feels like a David Lynch movie like this feels like he turned Marilyn Monroe into fucking Laura Palmer. Damn. And yeah, like it's got crazy visuals and it's really haunting, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know why he felt compelled to make this movie because it seems like, yeah, he really doesn't like Marilyn Monroe or kind of like wants to tear down the facade of this like icon that she's become where everybody just kind of props her up as this empty mascot like an Elvis or James Dean without really knowing much about her. And I get that to an extent, but like you got to have a little bit of the other side of that coin. Like it can't be all just fucking heartache and tragedy. Yeah, I don't know. That's very strange. Kind of makes me some of the stuff you said makes me think of like, and I don't, I didn't check any of this out, but like the uh, uh, Pamela Anderson. Oh, yeah. And like her sex tape and everything and how she just like the real life Pamela Anderson had like no agency in that situation at all. Right. And it's incredibly strange that situation in particular, I guess, because she's she's still alive. But I guess that that shouldn't be it should be. Yeah, we should probably not be doing it either way. Yeah. And well, and even so, this movie was based on a book, which is, let me get the terminology. So it was based on the novel, which is a fictionalized biography. So, like, they're just filling in wow. details that never happened <laughs> to tell a story using someone else's fame and image. Like, that's. <laughs> I don't even understand how something like that's even legal other than the fact that she has no she's, one to stand up for her. She's just purely iconography at this point. Right. Like, they're just writing fan fiction about her her life. It's just insane. I don't think I'm going to watch that one. Yeah, yeah. It's tough to watch, man. I mean, it, and it's like three hours, NC-17. I feel like it's going to be like, looking back, it's going to be like the breaking point of Netflix being like, all right. We can't just let these directors do whatever the fuck they want because <laughs> this one like is just so unwieldy, so ridiculous. Like I know a long time there's been the narrative of like, oh, yeah, all these studio executives come in and tell these great artists and directors how to make their movie. But I think on to some extent you need other voices in the room. Otherwise, you end up with stuff that's just four hour mafia movie from Scorsese when you yeah. cut ton of shit or you know there's plenty of instances now and i think that's where netflix is getting into trouble especially with how much they're paying for this stuff Mm -hmm. like i i hesitate to think 
or to put much stock at all in the decisions of executives. Cause when you go around right. the block and look at <laughs> this discovery yeah. Warner merger and the shit show that that is, it's like, well, obviously they're not doing anyone any favors over there. So like, what is that? Who is, who is it that has to come in? And I feel like that comes down to people on the production, yeah. right? That's what happened with the prequels is George Lucas hired a bunch of sycophants that didn't yeah. tell him how bad his movie was while he was making it. Only well, didn't have his wife there to tell him what the yeah. fuck are you doing, George? Like yeah. regular people don't understand what you're doing right now. <laughs> yep. Lost a lot of key people over the years and then was left to his own devices. No, there's got to be a happy medium somewhere. Like you can't. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Either way, the executives for Netflix and Warner Brothers or whatever can just fuck off. I don't think that <laughs> them showing up is doing anyone any favors. So did you see the big news about Tom DeLonge rejoining Blink-182? My brother told me that the other night. Yeah. And are they going to like record some music together again? Apparently they have. They have a new album. But yeah, they released the first single and it is terrible. Like. Oh. <laughs> Tom's voice is auto-tuned all to hell. So it's like, why even bring him back? It's... Is that just his style nowadays or can he not sing well anymore? Well, that's the thing. I remember seeing him with Angels and Airwaves at like a warp tour and he definitely could not sing as well as he thought he could. Like, mm. <laughs> I definitely trust Tom DeLonge's judgment in 2001 way more than I trust <laughs> his judgment in 2022 because he's mm. already claiming this is our best album yet and it's going to be, you know, so progressive but has anyone ever said like this is our best material yet and actually like meant it anytime somebody says that i feel like it's always like oh they're they're, they're trying too hard yeah i don't know there's got to be some people that actually believe that but well, if I, they believe it they don't proclaim it it's yeah, the people that proclaim it right. before you hear anything that makes me that's true that is not like it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence when you hear that yeah like it is kind of just the gut reaction is like oh okay Right. <laughs> I don't know if that really made me feel better about this. Well, they're doing a lot of touring. Like, didn't they just get Travis Barker on a plane for the first time like a few months ago? Yeah, man. I hope he doesn't overdo it because, yeah, that's some serious stuff. It's quite a bit. The ticketing has been insane. I was looking at it just because, yeah, I've always kind of wanted to see them. I've never got to. But with the crazy like surge pricing model that Ticketmaster has now, it basically just inflates all the tickets based on web traffic and this has been so popular that like decent seats were like four or five hundred dollars in like Oof. yeah just insane so yeah i don't, I don't think i'm seeing blink 182 anytime soon <laughs> damn where was that that was in chicago mm. and yeah. i think that one got so much traffic that they opened a second date but Jesus. still it's yeah and they also announced that they're going to be the headliners for uh when we were young 2023 so that massive <laughs> festival in vegas that we talked about they are uh, headlining that next october with green day so Wow. A ticket to that would actually be cheaper than just seeing Blink-182. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. So who do yeah. you think takes like the main headliner stage, Green Day or Blink? I mean, Blink's got the momentum with reuniting. If Green Day wouldn't have been putting Is out that, music you think that's lab. why they did it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were like, we're going to fucking steal Green Day's thunder. <laughs> I feel like that's the reason no effects is breaking up. Like people haven't noticed that they're still touring and making music. They're like, nah, we're going to break up. That way we can do a reunion show in like five years and mm. people will care again. But will they care again? <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. It's got to be blank with that big announcement, right? Yeah, I that's, think so. That's like a, a Game of Thrones-esque move where you're like, 
coming in at the last second with some sneaky darkling scheme. Like, yeah, what if it's not even Tom DeLonge and it's just Matt Skiba in a Mission Impossible mask? <laughs> in a mask. As soon as I heard the first single, I was very glad I did not let nostalgia take over and let me buy $400 Blink-182 tickets because <laughs> yeah. that new stuff's painful. If it's their best thing yet, then you know they're going to be playing a lot of that album. Oh, yeah, for sure. What does it sound like? Does it sound like any of their other music? And can you compare it to... Is it like, we're going back to our roots? Or is no. it... It sounds like... Did you hear the California album they did with Matt Skiba? No. It sounds like that. Like, it sounds mm. like really plain. Like, like, you can't even tell it's Travis Barker on the drums. Like, it's just really boring pop rock like Blink-182 doing like Fallout Boy. Oh, I see. Yeah, so it's not... That makes sense. I should have predicted that. But there has been a lot of good music out lately. Yeah, there is. Was there any that you particularly want to jump into first? I'm always partial to Freddie Gibbs. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if that's just more of a localized loyalty kind of thing. Right. But uh, ever since Freddie... His album, like, I think about four albums back. Everything he's put out has been solid and love his records with Mad Lib. But this kind of feels like it reminds me of that Freddie album. The beats are a little more basic and trappy, but they're fucking solid. And I like the mix on everything. And I feel like when he doesn't work with Mad Lib, he stretches out more rhythmically with how he does his lines and everything. And he, as stereotypical as like the triplet has become in hip hop, Freddie just has such a good triplet. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and sometimes the songs he uses will kind of stray a bit more into like the three, four grooves a bit. And I just don't feel like you hear people doing that, but he just nails it, you know, talking about Coke, right? <laughs> He's another Coke rapper, like Pusha T, but I like this album way better than Pusha T's album. Yeah, for sure. I really like Pinata. I think that was where I got introduced to Freddie Gibbs. And Matt. Okay. And so like that was my introduction. And then they did a follow up to that a couple of years ago called Bandana. Yeah. And I just, I didn't feel that one as much. I felt uh, like. Yeah, not a lot of people did from what people I talked to. It seemed oh. like they were growing in different directions. And like, mm -hmm. I feel like this is the lane he needs to be in a more contemporary, like modern vibe, even though I love what Mad Lib does. Yeah. I just think his style being more like slow and soulful, like doesn't quite mesh with the way he's doing his vocals. And I feel like this is probably like his most like universally accessible record. Yeah. Like, I feel like you could show this to anyone who likes hip hop and they would find a track on here. They like, mm -hmm. what is that too much? I think that's probably one. Oh. Oh man, songs. that's a banger. Yeah. Too much. And what's the other one? CIA, crack Instagram and AIDS. That one. <laughs> That's a great closer. No, I, I liked a lot of the songs off of it. Like there were a lot of standouts for me and stuff that could have been singles. Album as a whole is great. But yeah, no, you make, you make a good point about this being more his lane. Because yeah, I think that he definitely tried a lot more new stuff on this album than what he did on Bandana. Yeah. He's also, I, I feel like he's typically pretty light on the features too, which I appreciate because I mostly just want to hear, you know, unless it's a special occasion or something, just fucking do your thing you know you can have some friends over but <laughs> right I'm, I, I'm here to listen to you for the most part so yeah i like that he had some nice little features in the uh the voicemails kind of after the songs those the were my least up. favorite 
You no. didn't like those? K- K- KD can get out of here. I don't <laughs> like that. We're in such like an instant gratification age. Like if you're going to include sound clips on your record. It's <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't just shell. be. It shouldn't <laughs> just be there to, to be like, yeah, I'm friends with Kevin Durant. You right. know, that's all that is. It's like, <laughs> hey, call me back. It's like, all right, right cool. Was that even him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kevin Durant impersonator. Oh, what a job. <laughs> Have you heard of this uh, field medic guy before? Uh-uh. Yeah, this was my first time listening to him. This album kind of blew me away. I know I think I talked to you offline about it. A little more like acoustic indie kind of thing going on, but... Right. Grow Your Hair Back Out or something yeah. is the name of the album. It's super long. Grow Your Hair Long if you're wanting to see something that you can change. Okay. But the album itself, man, like just... The lyricism, the songwriting, it's all done so clean, so well. I'd never heard him before, um, but I like this so much. I dove back into some of his older records, and it's a little more like bedroom pop and lo-fi, like Mm -hmm. not quite My Bloody Valentine, but kind of like that very distorted indie pop. But this stuff where he's like going into like alt country terrain, I like a lot better. But yeah, all the weird little twangs and stuff, it's... It's kind of reminds me of like a Father John Misty or like a tallest man on earth type thing. Okay. So yeah, I mean, for someone that's not too into that style of music, what makes it stand out to you? For me, I think it's just like the simplicity of the melodies and how well written the lyrics are around the music. Mm -hmm. Like it's something that I can get lost in just listening to the lyrics without even really paying attention to the music because it just flows together so effortlessly. So cool okay what do you want to dive into next um, what was the what was the more like punk band oh meat wave meat wave dude meat wave is sick i'd never yeah. listened to this band before and oh, i was completely fucking thrilled by uh this new album what is it called uh malign hex they're really good the record they put out before this the incessant i would highly recommend that if you haven't okay like, definitely gonna check that out <laughs> they have some of the same stuff that I like about Black Midi. They almost this record reminds me of some of their stuff in a weird way. Yeah. Um it's this fast, sometimes intricate playing and often just very good dark chord choices that you don't typically hear. And yeah, I mean it definitely has some punkness to it. Like at times it was almost reminding me of like the old cursed records. I don't know if you were ever into cursed, but yeah, yeah it kind of reminded me of some of the parts I like off two and three. The fucking vocals are interesting. There's almost like a like an interpol type thing going on, but more suited for punk rock, I think. Yeah. Or whatever they consider themselves. I think I saw somewhere that they like to go by post something or they've like said that that's their genre before which i think is good what did you think of this album i really liked it seeing them live like they're a three-piece and there's just so much going on with like you said all the like loops of riffs on top of riffs on top of riffs Mm -hmm. so like seeing him do all that in these weird time signatures while he's singing on top of it oh like a wild thing to take in as somebody who struggles just to sing and play at the same time myself oh man well and as someone who who still can't 
Right. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking cool. So yeah. jealous of that. It's cool that their their record, you know, they have all these themes of like hexes and being hypnotized and stuff. Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like. There's all these repeating patterns and they kind of lull you in and just keep building on it and swirling yeah. intensity. And it's a really, really cool formula. And again, for like a punk band, I'm surprised by how much I'm like just hooked on every word that he's saying. Like, even mm-hmm. though the music is really interesting. I find myself listening super intently because the lyrics are always really well done as well here. Yeah, I was definitely getting dragged into the the vocals as well, which is weird because, yeah, I was really content with the music and interested to hear what it was doing. But part of that is the clarity of the lyricist as well, which I really like. Yeah. But yeah, it creates like just a good. Yeah, there's almost like as weird as it is, this hypnotic soundscape type quality to some of their stuff i think some of that too is like they just know how to write good grooves it seems yeah everything just nothing feels forced it's like the type of songs that just write themselves and yeah i mean everything i was just bobbing my head to which again is like not not always a regular thing for me or even what i'm looking for but i appreciate a good groove especially in punk rock like that's not always that's typically not the priority but like I love it when there's just a good feel to the song. Do you have a standout? Yeah. Um, fuck. Hang on. <laughs> Let me look real quick. It was, what would you like me to do? Oh, yeah, yeah. That one was cool. It, has, it had a good setup, too, just because those first four are just great. I listened to those a couple times. Those four in particular. I was like, these are, these are pretty great. Uh, what else do we have on here? Billy Woods, right? Yep. Old Billy yeah. Woods. This is just going to turn into the Billy Woods <laughs> fan pod. Yeah. <laughs> I've listened to both of them because I don't know which one I like better. And then mm. I'm like, if he would have just released this as a double album, like that would have been perfect. Like I would have loved it. But yeah. there are parts of each that I like a little better than the other. And then I'm like, well, if I'm finding these parts that I don't necessarily think are as strong, maybe I like this Field Medic album better. Maybe I like Cheat Codes better. I don't know. I can't I can't pick an album of the year. Yeah, Cheat Codes, I think, knocked Billy Woods down. And then <laughs> Billy Woods made a comeback with this yeah. new album. And now he's right? back on top again. Damn. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to end up. New Taylor Swift at midnight. That's probably it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, you joke, but I mean, where is Beyonce right now on your list? She's pretty pretty high high up there. (laughs) I'm impressed by just how non-traditional his sound is and to and to put out two albums in that same style in one year, because I would not you use the word uh, accessible to describe Freddie's new album earlier. I would not call Billy Woods very accessible yeah <laughs> and, and it seems like you know a lot of people would have kind of like what kendrick was doing early in his career is doing like a like his big stadium albums oh yeah and, yeah. and then his art albums or whatever his jazz albums right <laughs> but billy woods has just decided not to play that game and just yeah. <laughs> release music that he thinks is cool but Music that is also like at times very discordant. It's definitely earwormy too. Like it's always something where I'm like, okay, that was different. And then I find myself like, okay, what do I want to listen to today? Yeah, I want to listen to that again. And like it just grows and grows on you for sure. I think it's something if you heard like a one-off, it would be hard to sell just on like a single track. Yeah, for me, 
I think it's like the first one off Athiopes and oh, yeah. there's not even a really a beat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's some <laughs> there's some instruments and he's in it giving it some rhythm, but that keeps showing up in my liked songs and I will go play the album after it shows up some of the time just because I mean, I don't know. That is kind of what you're saying like that. That one intrigues me enough to bring me into the album. That is such a cool way to start a hip hop record. I guess, is there anything else you want to get to before we do recommendations? Um, do we need a fantasy update? Are we still processing? Oh my gosh. <laughs> the fantasy stuff has been, has been wild. Okay. Um, but yeah, maybe when they're both done, I can give us, give everyone an update. We can go back to fantasy corner. <laughs> okay. If That's anyone, happy. if anyone dares join us there <laughs> in that horrible place again, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to recommend a composer named Junya Nakano. Okay. Um, he did some of the songs on one of the Final Fantasy games that I like, which was forever ago. And I don't I don't think he works in games so much anymore. Um, but he's been posting stuff on his Spotify. And I don't know if yeah, again, I don't know if these are associated with a certain game or like other project, but God, it's really good. Like I just feel like he has this unique blend of ambience and discordance and just like different kinds of harmony and chord changes that you don't typically hear and it's all like kind of video gamey sounding uses like probably soft synths for a lot of stuff and some of it's a bit dancier on this new album called 2038 to 2062 pretty good for walking around pretty good for studying if you're doing any studying like me (laughs) so check out junya nakano the composer that's a good one what do you got? What's your recommendation? So I had a couple good ones, actually. I went and saw my first Broadway show the other day, The Embassy. Oh, wow. The Book of Mormon was in town, and it was super funny. It's from the dudes who did uh, South Park, like have a full theater background. That was initially what they were going to do, went to college for. And yeah. obviously, you can tell that with a lot of the South Park songs and Team America and stuff, but... This is a full-blown Broadway production, and yeah, it was it was great. I really enjoyed it. I wasn't sure how it would go over with the audience in Fort Wayne, Indiana, but everybody seemed to enjoy it. I didn't see any angry storm outs or anything, but... That's good. Yeah, yeah. you never know. Right, exactly. Uh, your neighbor that said the thing about the Halloween stuff, she, she probably didn't go. Well, I heard when the embassy here locally had ghost play, there was protesters. Oh. So I was like, <laughs> you never know. And then, uh, yeah, for Halloween stuff, the other day, I I had a root canal like 8 a.m. in the morning. And so I was just zonked out of my brain on nitrous and painkillers. Ooh, I want to go see Terrifier 2 because I've heard it's just making people vomit and pass out in the theater. (laughs) So I went and saw a matinee of Terrifier 2 by myself. Literally the only one in the theater. Two and a half hour most gruesomely violent movie i've ever seen and it was just oh. the most peaceful environment i've ever been in i loved it it was great wow <laughs> all right i don't know what that says about me we might have to check back in on that <laughs> so have you heard of the first terrifier movie no it's about art the clown who's just this creepy silent clown that goes around killing people but this second one is completely crowdfunded i think they raised like a quarter of a million dollars to make this movie and it's only been in theaters like with the weird whatever it's called like fathom events ticketing where it's like very select 
theaters, but it's done so well. It actually knocked Top Gun out of the top 10 for the first time in like 19 weeks. Damn. So it's like this little underground success story. So I was like, yeah, I got to go see this and absolutely worth it. It is very niche, very <laughs> gruesome. But like if you're somebody who's seen a lot of horror movies and feels like you have seen it all, this is definitely something you have not seen before. This is what you have to turn to. to yeah get your high just the character design like he is fucking terrifying google mm. art the clown right now i want to see no your face. i don't want to do it <laughs> i'm gonna watch wishmaster instead dude <laughs> i'll watch wishmaster if you watch terrifier too how about that mm, i don't know <laughs> that sound like a fair trade. <laughs> yeah not exactly